0: Uh, good morning, everyone. Before, before we get into the passage, just two quick things. One, one not so serious, one serious, uh, not so serious. Uh, you might have noticed Angela and Barb are not here. They're getting some much-needed uh, time away. Um, and so I thought I'd just take this occasion to, especially if you're new with us, um, there has never been a rule or declaration in this room that you can't sit in the first three rows. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I would hesitate to say that if they were here, just to make them uncomfortable. But if you would choose next Sunday, uh, you may, you would, you would, you would delight Angelo and Barb if you if you came and just sat even even a row closer to them. Um, they would enjoy it. So I would encourage you to do that. Um, I know it's not just this room, it's any room you go into. There's the, the tendency to sit in the back. But invite you to consider that through the week. Um, uh, the, the, the more serious note is um, it's, it's great to see so many of you, and it's great to see so many of your faces. Um, we are now. We've now entered a new phase in terms of what uh, the public health offices are telling us about uh, the best ways to um, to manage COVID. Um, and and I say that uh, also saying I know that many of us will continue to mask for for um, for some time. And and both are both are okay. Um, and and we we recognize that everybody's going to walk through this differently. Um, but but my real, my real point and just mentioning that is just I want to say to you as as one of the pastors here, I'm, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to you because um, we certainly had challenges when it came to managing COVID uh, mitigation things. And, and you all know, I don't even have to begin to tell you all those, those how politically charged it all is. But but the, the heart of our congregation walked with humility and love um, and care for each other through these things, even when we disagreed. Uh, and I'm just, I just, I'm thankful for you as a congregation. Um, and I hope you know that. You're in a community of people who, who, who really try to seek the way of love even in, in hard things that, that tore apart, and, and I know many of you know intimately, tore families apart, um, tore other communities apart, and so I'm grateful. And, and it's just a marker that we've reached this moment now. Um, and so I want to encourage you all the more. Uh, let us continue to walk in that way. Um, so uh, this morning, we're, we're, we're continuing our series in Revelation uh, we're going through these, these series. Christ is speaking directly to seven churches in the ancient world uh, through the vision of John, and uh, these churches are by and large a mess, um, whether they're facing persecution or internal strife. There's all sorts of difficulties going on, and Christ is speaking directly to them, and what we've been doing in this series is considering how Christ works to these churches, how they, how they meet us today as, as the Church of Christ. Uh, and today's church uh, is, is to the, the, today's letter, excuse me, is the church in Thyatira. And uh, what's different about this church, you may notice, is that they're not facing persecution. It, at least it doesn't seem in the same way the other churches are. Their, their trouble really is of their own making uh, and, and some of the, the challenges they're facing within the community. Uh, and their, their trouble really is that they want to hide from God. And I had this light bulb moment last night that what I'd like you to do is scratch off complacency to holiness. It's actually hiding to holiness, which just sounds better. But it's also actually more accurate. Uh, The issue is not so much complacency as it is hiding from God, uh, from hiding to holiness. Christ wants to move them from hiding to holiness. Uh, And so uh, in this passage, I just want to look with you at three things. There's a principle of holiness here. There's a posture of holiness and then the power of holiness, the principle posture and power. Yes, holy, hiding to holiness. So I got two H's and three P's. Um, (laughs) Nice and neat. So actually, I'm not going to read the whole thing at once. I want to read through it progressively and talk about each part with you. So verse 18, uh, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, these are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. So Christ reintroduces himself to the church, and he introduces himself as the son of God. Uh, he, he has absolute authority, and his eyes are like blazing fire. It's, it's one way of saying uh, that, that nothing is hidden from the one who's speaking. And this, it, it should sort of snap us to attention we're hearing the words of one who can see all things. And, and before we, we sort of unpack the, that, I think there's two quick errors that we have to address that, that sometimes we make when we, when we consider this introduction from Christ and his, his immense power as he speaks. One, it, the first error that sometimes we run into is that... Uh, we tend to think, and this is how the way the world works, is that the greater the power, power the greater the wealth, the greater the distance that somebody has from others. Uh, I don't know if you've seen some of the pictures of Putin sitting at his table. Uh, it's absurd. He is He's sitting at a table and literally his generals are sitting at a table almost at the end of the stage. It's such a visual picture. And we know this to be true, not just of course of Putin, but generally speaking, the way humans gain power and authority The method which they use that they get there distances them from others. Uh, Power isolates in in, in some ways. Um, So that's one mistake we can make when we think about Christ here. The second one is is that as love and intimacy increase, we tend to think that that weakness increases. Uh, There's sort of an inverse relationship of intimate love and power to save. And some of this comes from uh, the more you know and love somebody the more you know their limits. So maybe um, your spouse or your friend was going to solve all of your problems when you first met them because they seemed so wonderful. Uh, And then as you got to know them, your love increased, but also you got to realize they're not actually going to solve all my problems. (laughs) They are are limited in what they can do. Um, And I raise these two things because uh, nothing is hidden from this one who speaks, this son of God, Um, but he is not a distant, powerful eye in the sky. His power doesn't create distance from you, Uh, and neither is he a loving God that we can fit into our pocket who's not powerful to save. He is at once both absolutely powerful and perfectly loving. And and one way that we, we make sure that we don't miss when Christ introduces himself is we tell ourselves the story of who he is. Uh, and I have a particular, it just struck me this week as one way, we have brothers and sisters in Ukraine, in Afghanistan, all parts of the world who are suffering. One way that we can, we can be in solidarity with them, with the church around the world, is, is, is through the creeds, is through the ancient creeds that the church has spoken for, for generations. Uh, and so, so I, I want us to actually, we're going to say the creed together not just to, to be in solidarity with, with the, our brothers and sisters around the world, but because, as I say, when you remember the story of who Christ is, neither an eye in the sky or a God in my pocket, but the one who stands in heaven and perfectly loves us and reigns over all things, uh, then we can hear his words. And one way to do that is, is reminding ourselves of what's true. So, Victory Youth, you should be ready to do this. Uh, we, did the, we did the Apostles' Creed as a study last summer, and I would invite you, Victor, Youth, to not do what you did when we recited it together then, which is to intentionally sabotage the reciting uh, and mess up the words. I will not name names, but there are a few gentlemen perhaps in here who were particularly good at that. But I want us to recite the Apostles' Creed together uh, and, and remind ourselves of who this, this Christ is who reigns from heaven. You have it in tiny font on your, um, on your outline, but it'll also be up here. If, if you'd like to, to say it with us. Um, one quick note, and you see it's in this, the asterisk there. Some people get a little uncomfortable when they hit Holy Catholic Church. Um, they think it's capital C Catholic Church. Um, and, and I j- just want to mention to you that what the lower C Catholic Church means the universal church, all Christians, all people who, who, uh, who call Christ Lord. Um, so, so just, just to, so you don't have to stumble over that word. Um, so let's say this together, brothers and sisters. Um, I'll, I'll begin this. Uh, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Mount no, it's just Pilate. <laughs> was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven. And he's seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Uh, This this one Jesus speaks to us, this one who is seated at the right hand of of God, the Father Almighty. He rules over everything, and his intentions are for his glory and for our good. So that's who sees us. Um, how that informs then how he sees us. This blazing fire of his eyes, the feet that are like burnished bronze. Uh, his eyes are not. If you if you carry that story with you, his eyes see not as a casual window shopping sees. Uh, They are like blazing fire. They're light that exposes and burns away all that is not lasting. He sees through all our facades. He looks upon the heart. Scripture tells us that God looks upon the heart. He sees us all the way down to the bottom of who we are. And and part of what his feet being like like bronze, he is steadfast in his seeing. No, No one can buy away his sight. No one can convince him to not look and see the evil that is in us or in the world. Um, He sees our contradictions. He sees our hostilities. He sees into our indifferences. um, And part of why he can see in that way is because of what we just said together. He suffered the way we suffered. He was tempted as we are tempted. There is nothing you can say, God wouldn't understand this part. He, He sees it and knows it and has been through it all. He sees every measure of your affliction. And at once he knows how it will be redeemed, even as he looks on what's broken in you. And so this is the principle of holiness, uh, a principle of holiness. Uh, we, we, we become holy people when we live in the truth that nothing in heaven or on earth is hidden from Christ. You live as though that is true. Nothing in heaven or on earth is hidden from the sight of Christ. So if you're receiving that, then your impulse might be uh, to flee, to to hide, to run. Uh, Because in in some ways, everyone, and I know this myself, we all desire to be seen and recognized, uh, but only to a particular point. Uh, What we want is recognition without full exposure, but Christ's first words, listen to the, the next verse now, So we, uh, in verse 19. His first words to the church demonstrate that, that the fire of his eyes um, are, are a fire of love. And that even as they, sort of, they burn away what is not lasting in us, they also are, are a warmth to, uh, of love for us. They show his generous character. Uh, verse 19, I know your deeds, he says to the church your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. So first, Jesus sees them for who they are, and the first thing Jesus does is he affirms them. He sees the good deeds of the church in Thyatira. He sees that they were increasing and that they were persevering in it. They were not resting on what they'd done in the past. Uh, and, and that, I, I, it's, it's good for us to receive that here at Bridge. Jesus is saying to you, saints, I see your good deeds. I see you persevering. And one of the things that happens in a, in a I think that can happen in a church community that rightly uh, emphasizes a humble reliance upon God's grace is that sometimes we can do that and miss God's affirmation of, of our good deeds that he calls us to. Uh, it is good and right that we should encourage And notice and spur one another on to love and good deeds. Uh, And and Christ is looking for it, right? Verse 23, just quickly. He says, I will repay each of you according to your deeds. And verse 26, he says, to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Uh, So I just, brothers and sisters, hear this. Christ sees your good deeds. Christ sees you persevering to love that hard person in your family. Christ sees the money that you were giving up that no one else knows that you're giving. Christ sees you wrestling with addiction. Christ sees you giving up your time for the sake of others. Christ sees you laying down your life for your family. Christ sees the way that you served people all through this pandemic and served one another in kindness and love. And, and, and Christ wants to affirm you in that, to, to say, press on, my saint. Press on. Continue on in the work. So he sees us and he affirms us. And then, and then Christ corrects. So he, he affirms and then he corrects. Um, picking up in verse 20. Nevertheless, Christ says, nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching she misleads Now I say this to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. So uh, it, th- in the midst of this church, Christ's charge against them, his correction is you're tolerating Jezebel. You know, Jezebel is a reference uh, to a woman uh, uh, of notorious evil in, in the history of Israel, uh, his story, uh, plays, her story plays out in Second Kings. And Jezebel was the wife of King Ahab. And through her marriage, Jezebel leads, uh, influences uh, her husband, and leads the people of Israel uh, to idol worship, uh, to the worship of another god. Uh, her, she. She um, exercises the, and carries out the execution of all of God's prophets. And, and she then raises up 800 of her own prophets and has a temple built to her God and leads the people of Israel in this, in this idol worship. It's bad. <laughs> Jezebel, to invoke the name Jezebel uh, is, is to invoke somebody of great evil. And this is, this is Jesus calling out the corruption in Thyatira. That this, whoever this was, and, and there's some debate, of course, is this a reference? Is there actually a singular woman? Is this a representative of a whole group of people? Um, and and that's sort of linking the imagery of who Jezebel was to this. Um, we're not sure, but, but the, the, the point remains that what, what she's doing, what this group is doing, is leading God's people to these ceremonies and feasts um, in which they sin. They, 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 le- they are led into disobedience to Christ. So it helps to know a little bit of what these feasts might have been, a um, little bit of, of background. The, the, the cities of the ancient world would have been really dominated by these uh, trade guilds. And in order to, that each trade guild um, would have had its own deity attached to it. So in order to participate in trade, in order to have uh, any sort of livelihood, uh, you couldn't just be a part of the guild but not be a part of the, the deity. The, the, the deal was it's a package deal, right? If you're going to participate in the commerce of the city, you then also have to pay homage to this deity that, that, that is uh, above our guild. So, um, and, and those festivals, of course, are what's being talked about here. They would've involved sacrifice, they would've involved all kinds of um, sexual immorality, uh, and, and so the, the tension here, what the church is, is being called into, what's on the table then, is participate in these feasts um, so that you can have further prosperity, or obey Christ, at great economic and social cost, this is what they're the, what they're facing, um, and, and what the, the this group is leading them to, of course, is is to compromise and and is to, to sort of bend the truth. And you get a hint of it. You notice at the, at the end of that passage, the so-called deeper things of God uh, of Satan, um, the so-called deeper things. So pro- what, what what we what what seems to be going on here is this: the 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 group led the church astray in this way. Don't the deeper things of God actually tell us that what a Christian does with their body doesn't really matter? Don't the deeper things of God actually tell us that idols are nothing? So what difference does it make if we go to this festival? Uh, The the suggestion was that, that the participation in the festivals and the benefits of the guild were actually a mark of deep wisdom. You see the the little trickery that was pulled here? That they actually understood more deeply the truth of who God was, and so they could participate. And Christ's response um, could be summed up as, as I I see what you're doing. (laughs) I see you. I see how you're twisting the truth. And so he calls, in the strongest possible language, he calls those participating to repent, to turn back, uh, or, or they'll face tremendous suffering. He says, Re- repent, turn back to me, or you will have a bed of suffering. And to the church, he says, do not tolerate this kind of teaching. Do not abide by it. Do not allow such people to linger in your midst. And, and when all it's, it's settled, when all, when all this is settled, when Christ calls all of these this church to account, what, what's the end What's the end point? He says, once this is all done, he says, this is what you will know. You will know that nothing is hidden from my sight. Notice in verse 23, then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. See, there's, there's two, and this is where we get into the posture. The, there's two postures you can take. Uh, one posture wants to turn from, the, from, from Christ who sees all things, the one who searches our hearts. We turn from him because we don't trust that he is who he says he is, that he's good and his law is good for us and his way of life is good for us. We turn and hide. And then there's the posture that Christ calls the church to, a posture of holiness, to face Christ who sees all things, to face the eyes of Christ, who sees every impulse of rebellion every wandering in you every symptom of sickness and he sees all that and in Christ fully accepts you and calls you to himself in Christ he's calling them to him he's calling the church to himself with me you are fully known and you are fully accepted turn back to me turn back to me And this confession he calls him to is painful. Confession of our sin is painful, is it not? Confession is painful, but it is for our good. And by it, God removes all that's false from us, and we're reminded that he is who he says he is. He is gracious. He is a loving God. Uh, And and this is what happens when we turn, and this is a little of the hiding I was talking about. Uh, with the kids' story, when we when we turn and flee, uh, we tend to we'll tend to t- uh, this, a story grows about why we've turned from God, um, which is another way of saying that we sort of begin to lie about who God is when we turn from Him. I had an experience. Uh, I, I'm not sure if I shared it with you before. Years ago, Ann and I were in Guatemala, uh, and uh, we were on a mission trip there. We were walking down this little trail in the midst of a bunch of farms. And for some reason, we were with um, Sarah Winter at the time, Sarah Lowing now. Um, and some reason, Anne and Sarah thought it'd be a good idea. There was these huge leaves uh, that just looked really cool um, up in this farm area. And they said, Josh, go, you know, go get us one of those leaves. Um, I don't know why. I think it was just cool to have. They were like of the kind that were like, you know, at the size of a person. So I run up, and I, I grab them. And all of a sudden, shooting out of the farm comes this enormous dog chasing me back up the trail um, the leaf i don 't think ever made it uh, uh, to to the girls, and of course, we just all start tearing back it 's a kind of situation where you don 't even look back you just sort of all you can remember is is running headlong and you don't even remember stopping it's like that's almost where the story ends, you know um, just running and running and and part of why the story came to mind is that as i 've retold myself that story about running, the story has grown. the dog gets bigger in my mind, right. Um, And and probably what actually happened is I probably just tore past Sarah and Ann without a care for them. But the story in my mind, of course, is that I was, you know, I I made sure they got to safety. Um, The story changes and the story grows. Uh, And and like I said, that's a generous way of saying I start to lie to myself about what happened, right? Um, and, and, And this is what happens, brothers and sisters, when we turn from God. Uh, at, at first, it's an initial turning. I, I don't want to face the one who wants to point to me and say, you need to bring this to me, bring your sin to me. And I turn, and the longer I turn, and the more often I turn, the story grows about who God is. And it's a lie. And my turning, he becomes less and less who he says he is, and more and more, a threat, one who does not seek what's good for me, one who will not forgive me, one who has not given his life for me the story grows, and it begins to fold in upon itself. And the longer I'm turned from God, the more this story grows, and the more I become turned in on myself. And this is, this is one way to think about, I mean, it's easy to, to sort of look at men like Putin and think, here's a man who represents uh, evil in the world. But but essentially, this is one way we can look at, uh, at people who who have turned from God, and their story about God grows and grows such that 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 they, can never, they can't turn back. They become closed in on themselves and their own intentions. And so what, what, what this passage calls the church to and what it calls us to is to turn back, um, to look and know that God is who he says he is. I need to go back to the Guatemalan farm and see how tiny that dog was, right? I, we, you need to turn back, brothers and sisters, face the Lord and see that he is good, and that he is holy, and that he calls you to repentance because he loves you. Turn back to the Lord. And let us as a community be, be one that turns each other back to the Lord. Um, that does not abide by any story, any secret knowledge that would that would cause us to, to that would lead us astray as a community. So this posture of holiness. We live as though, and the truth that God sees all, and we turn and face the one who sees all. And finally, the power of holiness. Um, Finishing the the passage, I will not impose any other burden on you, which are just sweet words in themselves. I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter, he's quoting Psalm 2 here, and will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So Christ says, hold on to him because you will be with him and you will share rule with him. He will give himself to you. Christ is the morning star. He gives himself to you so we can persevere in holiness because the trajectory of your life is toward Christ. Your your life is heading toward perfect union with Christ. And this means that um, the lives of of saints, of taking up our cross and following him, that that sort of through a mysterious way, that is how God intends to bring about the kingdom in the present. We, We are... Our lives are are on a trajectory toward Christ, and as we follow him, as we walk toward him, Christ uses that walk of holiness to bring about the kingdom in our midst, to bring about the reign of the good king. And so so the power of holiness is that our personal and communal pursuit of holiness together as a community um, is actually not separate from the work to bring a blessing to the world. In, in the kingdom of God, there is no private uh, holiness that does not then manifest in blessing to the world. They are, they are one and the same. So what you do in the privacy of, of your life and the kind of life that you share with this community is actually not a private matter. Right? Christ sees through all, he calls to all, everything in your life is for the kingdom. And this is part of the, the, you know, we've been talking about a post-Christian society. Part of the the, the scourge of that is the intense individualism that separates what you do in private from from the blessing or curse to the rest of the world. But, of course, they're, they're not separate. Christ says your personal holiness brings forth the kingdom in this world. Your personal holiness is not for you to possess or give up to the highest bidder. It belongs to the king, for it comes from the king's purpose. So, so you notice in the passage, Christ actually does not say, Church in Thyatira, withdraw from the guilt, have nothing to do with public life. Doesn't say that. Right? He says, He says, Live with no lies in the world. Live with no in a a holy matter, to bring blessing to the city. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So the forces of evil in the world and in our own hearts are formidable. But the promise, the call of that, um, we have the power to do that because we see the one who stands at the end of history holding all the evil um, and all the nations of the world like pieces of pottery broken to be made new. And those who wage war for their own gain will have a reckoning with the one who will make all things new. And Christ calls us to participate in that. Uh, there's, a, there's an article I read recently um, as just a way of kind of closing out a picture for us of, of what this calls us to as a community. Uh, it's a, a gentleman, a minister in, in Ukraine. Uh, and he's talking about ministering in the bomb shelters. Um, and it's a great article. It's in, it's in um, Christianity Today online, I believe. But at the end, he tells all these stories of, of how being a refuge for, um, for refugees who are coming out of, uh, through his, his town on their way out of the country, how he's just had all these opportunities to minister to people simply because he's opened up his home. and And he's marveling in these stories that, see what what we intend for evil, how God turns it for good. Um, And he says this, uh, he says, all these stories of of how he's ministered to people should remind us of a vital truth, that God's victory is always subversive. Whatever the enemy intends for evil, God always takes and uses for good. This means that the more the enemy rages, he only brings his destruction closer. God turns the enemy's weapons against him, just as David did with Goliath's, Goliath's sword. And what Christ ultimately did in his death on the cross. When the enemy thought he finally had Jesus right where he wanted him, it turned out he was dealing his own death blow. Our Lord overcame by using the enemy's own weapons against him. We take comfort in that, especially as Ukraine faces an enemy who rages, both in the devil who loves to steal, kill, and destroy, and in those pseudo-kings who are the devil's pawns. I believe both will shortly find themselves overthrown by God's wonderful, ironic victory. But in the meantime, we cover your prayers. And so, brothers and sisters, for us, in this particular part of the world, uh, in this Philadelphia region, we, we live among people who are suffering and who are bringing suffering because they believe the lie that they have to flee from God, that God is not who he says he is. And so my, my encouragement to you, the encouragement from Christ to the church for this week um, and for this year is to walk, to walk in holiness, walk openly before God so that, so that God could bring renewal to this area, to this region. Your uncompromised allegiance to King Jesus in your workplaces and in your homes and in your neighborhood. This is your call to holiness this week. Um, I'd like to close and, and the worship team can come forward. Would you um, would you close with me uh, by, by saying the Lord's Prayer together? Uh The words of the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, We know that our brothers and sisters suffering around the the globe will say this prayer together as well. Um, Let's join with them in in calling for the kingdom of God to come. Uh, And it's always important to do this when you say the Lord's Prayer. Let's say trespasses. That's always the one, right? Trespasses. Uh, Trespasses, um, yeah. So would, would you stand, stand with me and we'll, we'll say the Lord's Prayer in closing. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together.